that's taken a lovely turn. That's great. <laughs> Welcome to the Empire Dynasty League Unnamed Corporate Sponsor Podcast. We are joined, as always, with a young, fresh Christopher Keane, Brody Hoddick. Welcome, boys. How are we? Kenny, Kenny, good to be here. Hello, boys. Episode five already. Jeez, time flies when you're having a good time. How else would you spend an isolation, hey? Just... Trying to rip out some podcasts, five episodes. It's uh, yeah, it's coming along pretty quickly. We're we're pretty big time these days. Um, unfortunately, due to us being such a big time podcast, we we're gonna have to scrap just for now the old guest the song game because we happened to uh, get an email after we after we played a Mariah Carey song last week. Uh, it it caught the attention of a few of a few people outside of just our our dynasty league and. We managed to get a cease and desist email from from Mariah's legal team there, so we don't want to tread on too many people's toes now that we're we're a big deal. So we're going to have to uh, rethink how we do that with the old copyright laws these days. I wonder how Scoop took that uh, comparison. He'd be, he would have been strutting his stuff and his big chest around the St Kilda foreshore. I was going to say it wasn't big James Packer himself, was it, Benny? That got in touch with us. Well, there's. Yeah, there's there's talk going around that uh, Scoot took such exception to the comparison that he's the whistleblower and he was the uh, people that got in contact with Mariah's legal team. So we might have to uh, might have to get him to come up with a new segment since he's taken this one away from us. But that being said, well, since we haven't uh, got our our normal sort of intro to do, let's just jump, I think, straight into the NFL news. So a lot of training camp hype, isn't there? My goodness. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, I see sleeper alerts, and I think it's going to be something meaningful and useful. And uh, nah, it's just talk about the fifth string wide receiver at some team getting a few reps and looking great off three snaps and four targets and one catch for five yards. You know, all the big stuff. And it's really just, uh, I think, reeling a few league mates in. It's just uh, putting a little bait out there, a little bit of a nibble for a few league members. What do you reckon, Hod? It's a, it's a good word you just brought up there, bait, because we've got a league member known as Clickbait. And it's just <laughs> staggering how much attention the DFF continues to bring to his players. He's obviously, which it's surprising given his sales experience, but it, it's uh, obvious he's not aware of the under-promise, over-deliver sales mindset. So uh, I'm just a bit baffled by that. And, and do we ever, I don't know, you boys clarify, but do we ever hear Bill Belichick making it public knowledge how well his players are going or does he usually uh, go the other way and not even mention it? Well, yeah, traditionally, I actually think coach speak, particularly this time of year, you're almost better off um, looking at it from the opposite point of view and completely either A, ignoring what they say or B, thinking the exact opposite of what they're saying. It's often a more reliable source, I would think. So you're telling me that uh, coaches wouldn't be trying to just pump up the tyres of players that maybe aren't in their future on their rosters? You're, you're not suggesting that, are you, Katie? Uh, look, all I can say is I think it's been done before. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I just <laughs> For those listening and for those getting sucked into all the hype, just just pump the brakes. 
Had to take a deep breath. Well, while we're on the uh, New England Patriots, I must admit I, I saw some of these little alerts popping through after day one of training camp, and I'd already seen my Superflex Cam. He's already lost the starting role after day one, but uh, it quickly quickly changed after day two and three, and, and now, unluckily, um, for Jared Stidham, he's found himself in hospital. But I, uh, I think... Common sense may have prevailed there day two and three because he had five picks in 16 pass attempts or something ridiculous. So, uh, But I understand it. The Pats are wise to talk up Stidham no matter wh- whether he gets a starting role or not because we, we saw that with Jimmy G and, and where that led to. So what do you boys think on on the Cam situation? Well, also, don't don't forget big Brian Hoyer. He's competing with their hot. That's some serious competition for Cam. Hoyer and Stidham, just the big guns, just really putting some pressure on him for that starting job. So, I apologise. Nah, I look, did leave Hoyer out. Now, nah, look, you uh, you see the big fella in the Pats Uni and, geez, oh, I yeah. think, I know Ben's got Nick Chubb, but Pod must be <laughs> really <laughs> close to a bit of a Nick Chubb when he oh, sees yeah. Pat dancing. He, he sees him dancing in the Pats uniform. He looks oh, good, I the big fella. I don't even look above the belt. I just see those strapping legs in the tights. He's a big unit, Cam. Well, yeah. I mean, even look at his hair. Even his hairstyle's erect. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on there? I'm going to straighten this up. I'm going to straighten this up. Let's talk about some more impactful news for A, actual NFL play, um, but B, pretty significant for fantasy as well. And that is the Vikings running back, Dalvin Cook, of course. And reportedly putting those contract talks on hold um, to the end of the year, which means he's likely to play out his contract this year, um, which is probably pretty, a pretty ideal scenario for Scoot, who actually owns Cook and Madison in our league. So the likelihood is that Cook is going to play out this year. Um, and then in 2021, he's going to be a free agent. So we'll see kind of what happens there. Um, and he's going to try and obviously have some motivation this year to play well. Um, and look for a, for a bigger contract next year. So that'll be interesting just with, A, the reduced salary cap in the NFL next year, which is likely, um, but B, as I've mentioned before, just teams being a bit more smarter about paying these guys big contracts. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting Scoot on for his right of reply because I'm sure he'll steer the conversation in all sorts of different directions, but at least we'll have something we can straighten it up on with Cook because that's a very interesting topic ahead of this season. Well, speaking of interesting topics, what about the roller coaster in news that is Rob Gronkowski? I mean, we spoke about those sleeper alerts at the start of our news segment here, but I mean, one day you're getting an alert saying he's not coping in the Florida heat. Then the next day you get one from uh, Arians himself just saying he's looking fantastic and like the Gronk of old. Um yeah, so I don't know. Maybe Jim's just having a bit of a conniption right now, watching that that new the up and down news that is Rob Gronkowski. So I think it probably just solidifies that these beat writers have got they've had nothing to do for so long, and now they're just getting excited. They're getting a little bit. Um, oh, who's the who's the AFL bloke, Keeney, your best mate? Tom Brown. Tom Brown. They're getting a bit Tom Brown. Brown, Brown. Oh, Jesus, jeez, he's hard to look at. Tom Brown. Um, yeah, Jim, Jim would be very up and down. And, and speaking of down, got some flaccid news for you. Benny with uh, Nick Chubb went into the concussion protocol. So 
always concerning when any player gets a concussion, uh, just mm. knowing the ramifications and always a concerning seeing that C word pop up. But um, it was good news for you today because he did return to practice. So hopefully he's all good there. Was good news seeing him return, but you're right. When I did see that concussion word, you could say it was a definite chub killer for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the chub's been hit on his head pretty badly, but look, <laughs> looks like he's rebounding strong <laughs> in the upright position. Oh, goodness. It's only early days in this season. We've got a whole season of this potentially. Fantastic. We were doing a 10 minute intro, and the over under for chub was at least 50. We're very, very close. Uh, probably more uh, news with, with a high, highly picked running back in uh, Miles Sanders. Sort of mm. a bit mysterious. Had a lower limb injury, as it re- was reported. He's uh, listed as week to week. But Philly are being a bit weird or a bit coy with their injuries at the moment. So nothing too specific. They're either just saying upper or lower limbs. Um, and they're not being too... They're not elaborating too much on their side. As a couple of illnesses were listed, Ragor um, was one of those ones. Ertz is listed, I think, with an upper limb injury or an upper injury yep. and is also day-to-day. So it's a little bit of, uh, I guess, anyone with those uh, Philly players are just sort of keeping a close eye to see what's going on there. But they've been a bit strange about it all. Yeah, some very vague definitions of injuries coming out of Philadelphia. But um, no doubt Miles Sanders is a massive watch for... Um, Matt, who has him at the minute, because he has been, he's one of the players that I think have been hyped up more than anyone else in this preseason with the coaches mm-hmm. coming out saying he's the guy, he's going to pass catch, he's going to run, he's going to do it all. So he's been flying up draft boards um, in a lot of things that I'm reading. So just for his injury, he's going to be a massive watch going forward. Um, another high profile guy um, out of Kansas City is, is Tyreek Hill with that hamstring injury. Now he should be okay for week one. Um, but it's just interesting to see he's obviously going to have a limited preseason with Sammy Watkins injured as well. It's a bit of a boost for McCole Hardman, even to Marcus Robinson as well. So also another one to watch. And another notable running back, uh, Melvin Gordon today, uh, has gone down with a rib injury of some sort. So um, we know Denver like Philip Lindsay. Do you, do you think there's going to be any timeshare concerns there? Well... Yeah, I quite like Philip Lindsay as well. I've obviously got him on my team, but um, so I'm maybe slightly biased. Who knows? <laughs> but um, no, I think he's I think he's a pretty talented running back. I know um, undrafted rookie, but um, I think they're going to use him there just to complement the way Gordon runs as well. They're completely different players. Um, and interestingly, is Lindsay's out of contract at the end of the year as well. So it'd be interesting to see kind of where that all heads. But um, I think he's an okay replacement if Gordon does miss time. I think they're comfortable using him in that position either way. I'll just jump back to Miles Sanders. So before they, because Doug Peterson doesn't have a history of playing that number one bell cow running back. And that's sort of gone the other way recently. Like you said, Kenny, the, the hype's there and, and Juice Staley, the running back coach, came out and said, we, we want a minimum 270 touches and all this pointing in the right direction. But you always just worry about now with an injury whether Philly do bring a, a veteran in that could eat into the um, workload for Sanders, depending on how serious that injury is. Mm. Devonta Freeman's still around. Tim Moss, I think, still got him lying yeah, he on drafted there. him. Yeah, so moving to, uh, I guess, the more important league news. Well, hasn't there been some excitement on the waiver wires and uh, a little bit of 
I mean, perceived collusion out of all the days and of all the people to put in bids just twice now that, that Brody and Camo have uh, happened to hit on the same player on the same day for the same amount of money as well. So I'm a little bit sus about what's going on there, but especially when there doesn't seem to be any news on players like old Special K, Caden uh, Smith, a tight end for the Giants there. So very, very strange sort of bids there. And I believe Auden Tate was the other one. And we don't know if that was on the back of any news in particular or these guys are maybe just running their own little collusion uh, system. Time might will tell. First, might be the first ever divisional foe collusion that I've heard of. But uh, <laughs> no, pure coincidence. Um, great minds, I like to call it. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so a Des sighting. Well, I, I feel like this is deja vu. We have it every year, but uh, there's a possible link to the Baltimore Ravens. Does Does anyone here have Des, or is he still? Well, what's the go there? Oh, I may have put in a cheeky bid for him. Yeah, okay. put in a cheeky anyway. bid. I I, I dropped. Um, it was a Jason Witten. I thought probably could afford to drop the thirty eight-year-old tight end or whatever he is these days. He's probably just a coach over there. But now it was more on the back of if he does get signed somewhere, it's the talk is with the Ravens. And it'd be nice if he went to the Ravens because I've got Lamar, in case you guys didn't know. Um, I've got Lamar Jackson. And and I'm sure he would enjoy throwing to Des Bryant. So it's a little bit of stash and hope there for me. Well, I have already noticed that Baltimore have come out and said they don't want Antonio Brown. I, I frequently look for Antonio Brown news daily, just in case anything happens. I'm just waiting for something to happen, but nothing. But um, I think all the podcast listeners can tell we really don't have a heap of league news when we start bringing Des Bryant into the mix. Um, so let's just finish this off by the last piece of news, and that is uh, probably a couple of guys um, that have been released, which is the first time it's kind of impacted um, any of our teams from a dynasty point of view. So um, Rodney Anderson, pretty low profile running back from Cincinnati um, was released this week. And also Thaddeus Moss out of Washington also released the tight end there. Um, I believe that that hurts Timos's Moss squad. <laughs> yes. He's, he's down one Moss. At least he's still got Chase Claypool loss. <laughs> <laughs> Until further notice. Exactly. All right, I think it's time to uh, launch into our writer replies now. All right, we are lucky enough to be joined by the Punisher himself, Papa's Punishers, the GM here. Uh, first team of the Vontae Mack division that we are going to hear a right of reply from. So, Hod, kick us off. Good to have you here, Papa. This could get Thanks, uh, steamy, ladies and gentlemen. But. Um, I just wanted to start with a little uh, prompt for yourself because it seemed like our last guest on the right of replies was reading from a teleprompter before things unraveled. So <laughs> let's try and keep this authentic and from the heart, please. But uh, I'll, You're not I'll talking about Jonathan, eh? Oh, Jono. <laughs> yes, Jonathan Swift. He was a bit sketchy after the teleprompter cut out. But um, uh, firstly, Pat. Thoughts on our review of your team? This is your right of reply. Uh, and in particular, Ben and Keeney's take on your ageing COVID hazard team. This is your opportunity to fire back, mate. So I don't want you holding back here. Nah, nah. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, boys. 
great job on the pod so far. Um, Thank you. Obviously better now that I'm on. So um, <laughs> ratings are going through the roof. We might have to do a video of this. <laughs> um, no, the review of my team. Well, let's be honest. We had one guy out of the, out of the three that was uh, on the money, I think. And then the other two just had no idea in uh, Benny the Bunny and, and Big Keen Dog. Um, I thought it was very harsh. Um, like Brody, I've gone for the uh, two to three year window. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job with it. I think I'm, uh, my team looks pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. So, you know, I look for value throughout the draft and um, kept seeing it fall to me. So, not happy with my approach and how it ended up. So, what specifically did you take exception to? Pap? Oh, where do I start? There's a list. Where do I start, mate? I'm critiquing you. He's got to scroll. Uh, <laughs> all right, where do we start? You know, there was a lot of uh, uh, talk about my time taken to pick at pick three. I don't think it was as simple as pick as everyone thought. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, currently, Zeke has a higher ADP than uh, Barkley. So, um, so why didn't I don't you think, take I think him? it was... Uh, well, I'll get to that a bit later, I think. Um, but yeah, it's more of a safety versus the guy who's gonna, you know, win me the win me the week. Um, where else was it? Uh, Benny. Benny had a crack at me about trading. Um, yeah, Ben. Ben actually said you need to give a little to get a little. You know, and uh, I only want to be. Uh, well, how bad am I trading? He said, "You traded Lamar last year, my friend. You traded Lamar away." <laughs> And you kept Aaron Rodgers. So, you just true. keep your trading to yourself. Um, and I'll trade where I have to. Um, is that in a dynasty or a redraft? No, it doesn't matter what it is, mate. Okay. Trading trading. I'll <laughs> trade when I have to. And I'll trade to make my team better. And if my team doesn't get better, I won't be trading. So, there you go. That's pretty much what I said, I think. Uh, yeah, that, that, then I agreed with it, mate. You <laughs> said it as a negative. No, Pat, uh, and then, this back on... We'll get this back on track, mate. We'll get. We'll, I'm sure there's plenty of time to go through some more issues you had with what we said, but just just give the listeners a bit of an insight in, into your brain, which will be really insightful. Just in terms of how you approach dynasty. Obviously, we're all first time dynasty players. What were your initial thoughts going into this draft, and did you have particular positions or players that you looked to target at any point? Yeah, no, I did. Um, I really just wanted to take as much talent as I could. I wasn't worried about age. Um, I just wanted to get the best the best player um, and, yeah, hopefully get myself off to a winning start in, in Dynasty and, and, and see how it goes from there. As I said, I've gone for, you know, the one to the two to three-year window. Um, you might disagree with that with a couple of picks, but um, that's what I've done. I wanted to know my weaknesses as well. So I think I've gone into a draft knowing exactly where my weaknesses are and where I need to improve, um, and I can target those in the, in the years to come. Just um, out of interest, like with your strategy, did did at any point uh, age play in? Because I think I think that's an important thing just to get everyone's take. As you said, Kenny, it's all our first time doing Dynasty and normally you don't think of that sort of stuff in a redraft league. So how much did age play into any of your picks or was it not till maybe later in the draft that you started to, when you were weighing up between two players, that's when you'd look at age? How, like at any point did that come in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, towards the end of the draft, I sort of was looking a little bit at age. I wasn't too worried about the taxi squad, um, to be honest, which is the reason why I had none. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, 
I, I wanted to take a real solid first seven, eight picks um, of the best player to really set my team up for this year and, and the next couple of years to come. So um, I saw some players, you know, like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy and Rago went in places where I was able to pick up some really good proven talent at that, at that sort of range. Um, so, no, I was happy to take it. And I was happy to see other people um, go younger, to be honest. Yeah, so I think a, a specific example is probably your third pick, which was Aaron Jones. Now, um, I suppose you're looking at Aaron Jones there and it's either him or a Chris Godwin, who's a younger receiver, or a J.K. Dobbins was also picked a few picks later as that running back. But obviously you've seen Jones as kind of that last solid running back to pair up with Barkley. Um, rather than going down that younger rookie route. Is that pretty fair? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a bit of insight into where I was at that. It actually came to pick the pick earlier when I picked Kelsey. Um, I was really looking at um, Kenyon Drake and Aaron Jones. I thought that were the last two um, running backs that sort of I really wanted on my team. Um, anyway, I decided to go Kelsey for you know a reason we'll discuss probably a bit later. But um, I did really stare down Godwin then. Um, I really did. I just thought there was enough wide receivers still that I can, you know, fix that position a bit later, whereas uh, I wasn't sure it was going to fall to me with running back. Yeah, and I think if you look at what you did in those rounds in particular, um, taking Kelsey as that point of difference in a tight end premium, it might actually work out to to be a better choice overall than if you were to take, say, Aaron Jones and Godwin or however it panned out. So uh, this is, I think this is another thing with that tight end premium, which we've said a few times, is we don't really know how it's going to pay off. But I think what we could anticipate was your Kelseys and Kittles are really going to reap the benefits of getting an extra half point per reception. So... Um, if I can add just on that, if I can yeah. add just on that, I think last last pod, Kenny made a really good, brought a really good stat. The stat man, he said that uh, in the current uh, stats that we look at at the moment, that Kelsey would have scored the exact same as uh, Michael Thomas. So um, I got you know, back of the second round for Kelsey, and where did Thomas go for? So mm. I think it was a really good pick. Even happier that he signed a five year deal after Kenny said he was thirty three and out. Um, <laughs> no, I said he's out of contract. Out, you'd be very but, uh, happy. Five years with five years, with, five years with my home boy, and I'm happy. Okay, let's uh, let's go to that first pick that you had. You had pick three. The uh, the order of the first round was decided uh, a good month out from the draft. So, what were your thoughts leading into the draft? Because you know we sort of all sat there and went. It's taken him. You know, a couple of hours to to lock in pick three here. Did he? Did a curveball happen basically by uh, Mahomes going at pick two? Did that catch you off guard? And is that what held up your decision making, or were you just taking your time? Nah. So yeah, Mahomes as at pick two was a surprise for me. Um, not because I don't think he did deserve to be number two. I just I was expecting C Mac and uh, Barkley to go one and two, um, and I was going to take Zeke. It was simple. I was done, ready to go. Um, I think Zeke is probably the safer pick there. Um, but Barkley's ability to, you know, win me a week, whereas I think Dallas would probably sit Barkley. Um, oh, sorry, sit Zeke um, and play Pollard in the fourth quarter if they're up big. Um, so that was my point of difference there. And that's why I did go Barkley in the end. The reason it took me so long is I was having a few beers and uh, <laughs> and I was on my way to watch the Bombers beat the Pies. Ooh, so that's, right. that's probably what took, took a bit longer. It's a good point you make on Pollard, um, but you don't think Wayne Gorman's going to eat into Barkley's time there? Apparently not. Well, I had him up until about a day and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no. 
See, yeah, yeah Keeney thought you dropping Wayne Gorman was just to to uh, keep that older playing core feeling happier. Dropping one of your younger blokes in Wayne Gorman was just sending a message through to your roster that we value age. I picked up Alex Smith, starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah, you Another added some youth to added some lad. youth to your QB room by getting Alex Smith, old didn't you? 30, yeah, old thirty-six year old with perfect <laughs> average age by about five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll keep it going. Now, Papa, you only traded once uh, with Scoot later in the draft. Were there times earlier where you were looking to trade up or back and they never eventuated? I know I, I was pushing a little bit. I don't know if anyone knows, but I was pushing for Kelsey at that um, end of the second there. But were, were there any other times? Just, just on that quickly before you answer, Pat. Now, I believe Ben obviously had pick uh, five. You sitting at pick three. Was there something, a bit of back and forth between you two on the night? Yeah, there was. There was. Um, the reason why I wanted it a bit extra because I thought that Barkley and Zeke were a class above and I didn't think Zeke might get back to me at pick five. So I did ask for a bit extra um, because I didn't want to miss out on those three. Fair enough. You say back and forth. It was more just a, a back. back. There wasn't too much forth to it. There was no forth. <laughs> When you produce stuff like that, I just uh, turn away. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, look, I traded with Scoot and I did need to trade with Scoot. So um, if you look at the run on that went there, um, and it probably goes into where my quarterbacks were, um, I, ha- I was forced to. I had to come up and get a quarterback. After I picked up Brady, um, on the board was Winston, Jimmy G, Big Ben, Haskins, Carr and Rivers. That were my quarterbacks. So I know I've got Brady for the next two years. That was probably a bit behind that. Um, but I did try to come up a fair few times early. Um, but I didn't want to give up the farm in this redra- in this startup draft um, to come up and, and give myself an, op- and, you know, an opportunity. I, you know, I really wanted to come up and get Golladay at one stage. Um, and I did try actually with Benny before you made the trade to get Godwin. But I just wasn't prepared to give up the farm to come up and get things. So I was pretty happy to stay where I was. Nice, oh, so some good insight. Not just that, can I just throw it in there? Not only did I get a great trade with Scoot, <laughs> he's going to get picked 24 in next year's rookie draft, unfortunately, and I'm going to get a top five second rounder. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up and got Brady and I get the better pick. Fantastic. You fleeced him. I fleeced him. So, you know, Breeze and Brady's talent, uh, are not disputed by anyone in this league. Uh, and I know that it's sort of been the, the running joke is, is your two starting QBs and their age and all of that. So, you know, we all predicted that their, their time in the league is a much shorter shelf life than most of the other starting QBs. Um, and because of that, and because it's dynasty, it's sort of one of the few times that you could get a Breeze or a Brady as late in, uh, in later rounds like we did in Dynasty here. So were you always, I know that you were saying that you were waiting for value to always fall your way. Um, and if people are going to overvalue age, um, you were happy for them to do it so you could pick up some other value. So did you always sort of have a plan that worst case scenario, you could always still get a Breeze or a Brady because people will overlook them because of how old they are? Oh, look, uh, no, not, not particularly. I knew that would fall a little bit, but it was pretty interesting, you know, in my head in that three-round period because, and I'll run you through it because, uh, yeah, I think it's important. <laughs> you know, Breeze and Brady are both in top five offenses this year and both have something to prove. I think Breeze is going out to try and break some records and uh, 
Brady's going to try and show Belichick who the real king was. Um, they've both got weapons left, right, and center. So I think they're both really good, really good options for this year. Um, and I'm Brady's, you know, signed a guaranteed for next year as well. So we've got at least two years with him with, you know, a couple, a couple to come. Now, just before Breeze went, um, Stafford, Jones, Cousins, and Locke all went ahead of him. Um, I take Breeze with a thought process of, okay, I'll get Breeze here. There's still a fair few quarterbacks on the board. I've still got Newton, Tua, Tannehill, Bridgewater, Goff. And then you've got, you know, the little uh, little guys like Donald and Herbert and Minshew, as well as the other one, a few other ones. And I thought, you know, if I take Breeze here, I might be able to get a Winston a bit later um, and team them up. Or might be able to get a Tour a little bit later and, you know, might have something a bit further. But staring that pick in the, uh, what was it, the ninth round, that was the big one for me. Um, <laughs> I really thought hard about it. It was either, you know, T.Y. Hilton, who has fallen to the ninth round here. You know, he's a ADP, probably third round pick at the moment. So, um, in, a, in a redraft league. Um, so, that was a big one for me. I'm looking at that and I'm like, as I said, Newton, Tua, Tannehill, Bridgewater, Goff, Darnold, Herbert and Minshew, all on the board. I've got a bit of time. They should be able to fall back. Something will fall back to me. Yeah. Then the quarterback run came. Bang, 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 bang. And I was, Who started that? Uh, it was you, Hot, I think. Well, I can say I started with Breeze. I'll say I started with Breeze and then it waited a couple of picks. <laughs> but, um, right. Nah, I was uh, shitting myself, actually, because <laughs> I was desperately trying to come up. I was trading, trying to trade with everyone. I tried to trade with Keeney. Um, yeah, ended up falling into a spot where, you know, luckily enough, I was able to trade with, with Scoop. Um, and then I was looking down, who, who, who can I get? Who can I get? I'm looking at either Brady, Winston, who's not playing this year, Jimmy G. Mm, how long is he going to be in the league? Like, he hasn't, he hasn't proven himself, um, you know. And even if he's, yeah, he's going to be there two years, who knows? Um, Big Ben, he's probably in a similar boat as Brady. Haskins is no good. Carr, well, we all know what's going on with Carr down there. Hey, Jake Pantus. And uh, <laughs> Philip Rivers is also an oldie. So I thought, you know what? I'll take Brady there, and it's it's two years where I know what I'm going to get in a high-powered offense, um, and yeah, see what happens in the next couple of years. You actually did very well, I reckon, in the end, um, in terms of that trade. Yeah, Scoot could have absolutely fleeced you then, I reckon, but it was a pretty fair just round-for-round swap. I think you swapped futures, so Scoot was kind of banking in his team, knocking off yours. So for for considering what you ended up going up to get, which was an absolute priority for you. I think you did all right out of that trade. Um, Man, just I, going I got that, given a gift. It was a gift, you were. I think. Um, just going on for that, mate. I reckon the question I've got is if it, there is some bad luck or, or Breeze wins the Super Bowl and he retires and, and Brady's, you know, doesn't have a great year and he retires, what, what is the plan? Have you thought about where your QB sit after next year? Um, is it going to the trade table or is it, trying to regroup in the draft because you still got your future one, which is good. Yep. Um, but do you have a plan there? Or are you just going to hopefully what, like wait it out and see what happens? Yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to wait it out and see what happens in the first couple of weeks, three, four weeks. Um, and then be open-minded. Um, if I have to come up and get, if I have to go out and get a player through trade um, or draft a player, uh, I think it's sort of a wait and see for me, but at least I know that's a target and an area that I have to, I have to address in the coming years. I think your your insight before on taking as much talent as you can, which leaves you with 
um, you know, your obvious weaknesses. I think that's a, a great plan that you executed there. Um, now I'll move on to if you had the number one pick and we'll get to sort of the super flex format, but if you had the number one pick, who would you have taken? If I had the number one, good call. Good question. Um, I probably would have taken C-Mac, I think. He's by far, I think, the, the, the number one. Um, obviously, wouldn't have been quarterback because I would have had a chance to take a Lamar, who I think is very similar to Mahomes. Um, I'd probably have Mahomes a little bit higher, but um, I, I'm very happy being at three and being able to go Barkley-Kelsey. Uh, all right, so the pick... The pick in the draft that you're absolutely smitten with, the one that you are looking at going, I can't believe I walked away with that value at that spot. Where would you put yourself? Or what what round, how far down? Is it as high up as getting Kelsey in the second round? Or is it something later that you think is just absolutely juicy? Oh, can I can I say too there? Uh, me being able to get, you know, my two two bell cows in the sixth and seventh round, um, David Johnson and Carson. Um, to just make it, you know, RB three and four. I think just that was really, really good. They're going to be the bulk of the offense. Um, they're going to be used as bell cows. I think that set me up. The other one was uh, Jonu Smith in the 11th round. I've got big wraps on him. I think he's going to be the uh, number two option. Um, do you guys want me to give you a bit of an exclusive on that one as well? Go. Uh, Love an exclusive. It'll be a quick one. But there is, a, there is a bet on the table with another member of my division that we made yesterday. Maddie Mac, Maddie Mac, yeah. we did a bet. Um, we're going to add targets and receptions because Corey Davis has got shit hands. Um, sorry for the language, uh, but it's <laughs> Jonas Smith versus Corey Davis added up targets and receptions for the year. Um, and wow. Winner, wow. And winner get winner uh, has to buy, well, the loser has to buy the winner, a slab of uh, my uh, number one sponsor, my major sponsor. Goat. Goat's piss. Yep, absolutely. So I think I got that in the bag. Might as well go out to Liquorland and buy it straight away because it's on sale. What's our initial reaction, boys? I like it. I like it. I'm high on Jonu. I am in Papa's camp for that one. <laughs> I, I think I'm that everyone is waiting on Corey Davis to be decent. And I don't know. The chance of him being the Devante Parker of this year is there's a lot of hope going on there. It's it's a very bold call of Matt because Corey Davis, like you said, has fizzled out a little bit and then he's gone five rounds later. Now, Matt might argue Jonu was um, gone too high, but that's a fair discrepancy between players to be saying, to be parting ways with money for Matt. He must be confident. <laughs> and I know he likes Adam Humphreys as well. So, interesting, yeah. interesting that he's putting all these chips into one... Basket there or eggs? Well, I wanted to do, I wanted to do just receptions, <laughs> but he wanted to add targets in there. Um, so is he anyway. is by adding targets in him admitting that Corey Davis isn't very good? He's got small hands. You <laughs> can't not, catch. I think, He's not going to catch. I think that's a. I think that's a great point, Ben. Oh, that's an absolute <laughs> admission, admission of oh, I need to throw in targets because he might not catch many. Because <laughs> he'll drop shitloads. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, outstanding. All right. Well, while we're talking about Matt Papa, let's finish this off. Um, obviously, the Vontae Mack division, where do you think you won? The punishers are going to end up. You're, you're going to take the title or what's happening? He's had a silly question. 
<laughs> Obviously, I'm going to be the number one. Um, you guys all think it. Everyone in the world thinks it. Um, who, are you most, who are you most worried about? Oh, Timos. Timos is definitely the only one that I'm worried about, really, for this year and for years to come. But let's be honest, I'll probably have three or four division titles under my belt before anyone else gets a look in. Three or years four? Years to come, Kenny. Oh, wow. What are your thoughts? Academy study, it's going up on the wall. <laughs> Put it on this there, mate. I'll even sign it for you. Some more motivation, <laughs> Katie. Oh, I love motivation. Oh, goodness. Well, mate, we, uh, I, I don't know if some people out there thought that this would, uh, would, the clause would come out in this right of reply podcast, but we've loved having you on. We've loved uh, the shots that you fired at fellow teammates. We love hearing all that stuff. So, Scooter, mate, uh, we can't wait for his right of reply for the old. Uh, Papa's punishes and what he really thinks about that uh, call on his draft picks there. So, mate, we've loved having you on. We appreciate your time and your takes and your insight to your team. Uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, boys. And uh, just before I go, can you guys please tell me, because I've been looking for the since last podcast, who the hell is Jonathan Swift? <laughs> <laughs> We're still working it out too, mate. Well, yeah, not even we know. <laughs> Uh, thanks boys thanks for having me all the best um awesome job on the podcast thanks mate thanks mate cheers boys and we'll get back to you shortly with the right of replies but here is a quick word from our sponsor time it's the one previous commodity you can never get more of so man's need to track it closely is only natural at prestige watches we've got your back and your wrists our range of glamorous, custom-designed watches are purpose-built for you, and not just for your bony wrists either. Told your mates you're on your way, but you're really just stepping into the shower? The watch will move itself back 40 minutes, so you can at least convince yourself that you aren't dogging your mates. Just woken up in a panic six minutes after your shift started? A thing of the past, the watch will just stop running at the time of your alarm until you wake up. Don't pay big bucks to feel bad about your utter ineptitude when it comes to time management. Speak to your local Prestige Watches sales rep and live in ignorant and fashionable bliss. Prestige Watches is a subsidiary of our unnamed corporate sponsor. And we're joined now with another member from the Vonte Mac division. We've got the general manager of the Straight Cash Homies, Timos, has joined us. Timos, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Just recently uh, turned 30, got the birthday boy on. How does it feel now that you uh, have crossed into another decade? Yeah, it's nice to be in the dirty 30s. Just a very exciting time to do it in, just sitting at home. (laughs) What a way to celebrate, hey? It's good. Mm. Now, Timos, we normally ask um, our guests, you know, what they thought of our review when we went through their team and how how, um, we assessed how that certain member built their team up. But with you, I'm going to start with, did you listen to the podcast to have an opinion on our opinion? <laughs> I uh, certainly did listen to your podcast. Um, as reported, I'm not much of a podcast man. Um, I re- prefer to listen to music, but each to their own, I guess. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed uh, you got you three just having your say. Um, more about people's teams like Papa because I know they get real pissed off and it's good to hear. 
Well, we'll call that past tense, Timos, because now you're an avid podcast listener on the weekly. Yeah, yeah definitely. It is uh, the best 60 minutes of my week. There you go. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. So off the back of that, Timos, was there anything that we said um, that you disagreed with or how do you think we broke it down? Um, yeah, I could have gone about this a couple of ways. I thought about listing everything you did and just tearing you through to shreds. But uh, okay. in my relaxed nature, I sort of just, yeah, just rolled with the punches and yeah, I don't really give a f- what you think. <laughs> <laughs> We better keep this G-rated, Timos. We we have to submit a rate a guidance rating, don't we? Yeah, we're trying to we try and keep it clean, Timos. Sorry, the thousands of uh, underage listeners. Yeah. My yeah. <laughs> All right, Moss. Uh, on that note, what was your strategy <laughs> in the lead up to the draft, and did this change at any point during the draft? Um, I didn't really have a strategy going in. I know that might shock you. Um, I just tried to draft sort of best available young. I know you guys love to talk about age, so youngish, and then sprinkle in some vets in the end. But yeah, it didn't really change the way through. I sort of just drafted a few receivers and go, oh, I might chuck in a running back. and Not too much thought behind it. You say that you let the talent fall to you. However, got to the top of that second round and someone came knocking in my, uh, in my DMs, sliding into my DMs, if you will, Timos, oh, just uh, inquiring about the 201 pick. So what was sort of your thinking and why were you so aggressive to move up those three spots, I think it was, in the end? Well, I was very happy to slide into your DMs. Um, I just didn't expect him to be there, to be honest. Um, Late in that first round, I just kept thinking I would see his name pop up and it it didn't. And I thought, oh, Ben's got Lamar. He he might be set where he is and I'll offer him a trade. Well, Tim, firstly, let's talk about Kyler. So I know you said you didn't expect him to be there. So I've got two parts to this. Talk us through Kyler and, and your expectations this year because this is a man that got outplayed by uh, a bloke who fell much later in the draft in Gardner Minshew in their rookie season. So talk us through your expectations of Kyler this year. Well, I was pretty high on Kyler and um, I was going to be high on him before old mate got traded to him. Um, and that was just a bonus for me. Um, and yeah, like you pointed out that Baker was high in his rookie year and then he fell off. But you, you guys didn't really mention in your pod um, the other two that went the other way in Lamar and Mahomes. So if he follows their footsteps, I've done a good trade. Like it. Like it. And you said you, you didn't come in with much of a strategy. Um, I would beg to differ. If you've taken quarterback relatively early, I, I would say that you've come in adapting to the super flex strategy. Uh, at, at what point did you see Kyler there and then want to move up? Yeah, well, as I said, I, I just 
didn't do much research into the two quarterback strategy sort of thing, but obviously when you say two quarterbacks, you think it's going to make them more valuable. So I think he can be a quarterback of mine for the next 10 years. So I thought, go up and get him just as they do in real life. Well, I think then you've fallen into uh, probably the logic of majority of people because I think we've seen, um, I think in the screenshot that Steph put up today, which was trying to highlight how high Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has climbed, what was just cut off there was that uh, Kyler was drafted sixth overall in that um, Superflex draft too. So the fact that you get him at the top of the second round, if he's going, you know, that sixth, seventh, eighth spot in most Superflex drafts, I think that is an absolute steal. And, you know, I'm pretty happy that you did come knocking at my door because I, you're right, because I had Lamar. I did think about old Kyler there, thought that could be an interesting way to start it off, but I was looking at running back. So I managed to get Mick Chubb anyway, moving back a couple of spots and I, uh, and yeah, was happy to get something in return for it. And just briefly, I think um, I, I did have conversations with you, Ben, from memory, actually, to come up to that spot. And I can tell you, Tim, I was going to take Kyler Murray as well. So that would make you feel a little bit better about what's uh, happened anyway. Yeah, it makes me feel better. And I know Matt was picking after Ben and I, I thought he would take Kyler as well. So that's why I sort of felt I needed to make Ooh, the jump. Yeah. There it is. There was, We've already I... knocked on the brother rivalry there. Love it. There was an element of Eve. I, I didn't. Know, I didn't think you were necessarily going to be high on quarterback, so it did surprise me that you went Kyler. I absolutely agree with it, but you know, obviously, there's a bit of a fifty-fifty split in the league of people who were prepared to take QBs early. So when you went with Kyler, I, I liked being at the position I traded back with you because it was just in front of Keeney, and I know he was keen on old Kyler there and I could have sniped him just ahead of Keeney if you didn't take him. So there was a bit of that plan in place too. Mm, I would have had either of them, Kyler or Dak, I would have been happy with. But anyway. It'll be interesting to see when we get Matt on. um, Or perhaps you know, Timos, would would he have taken Kyler um, definitely in that spot? But uh, while we're on the topic of Matt, uh, Jordan Love, how much of that pick um, or stash, if you like, was because you liked the long play potential, um, as you can ride on your taxi squad, or was this purely rubbing it in the face of your brother, uh, who is a diehard Packers fan? I'd say that's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. <laughs> um, I've obviously go for the Vikings, and for the last ten to fifteen, sorry about the F bomb there. Sorry. Um, the last ten to fifteen years, they've just they keep drafting quarterbacks, Favre, Rogers, whereas hopefully Love's the next one there and he can accompany Murray for the next 10 years for me. So that's that was my thinking there. And obviously it's going to be nice to sit Love on the bench while Matt just watches him. <laughs> I love it. Now, you, you did mention you're a Vikings fan. The other interesting thing I see when I look at your list is you've got Case Keenum sitting there right in the pine. You've also got Stefan Diggs sitting on your list, both at different teams now. Have you gone and tried to uh, recreate the Minneapolis miracle on your on your roster? Is that what you've gone for? Our lovely Kamish would uh, remember that day well. Um, <laughs> and any time I can rub his nose in it, it's uh, a good day for me. But yeah, I don't think much of Keenum. Um, hopefully Baker 
turns out to be crap and then he can play. But yeah, I'm real high on Diggs after watching him for so many years. Yeah. I uh, I can say that Keeney was at my place watching that game live and you will never see a flatter individual after that play took place. Ooh. He was shell-shocked. He, oh, he was at day. my place for that game and the Rams game. So he's never coming to my place to watch the Saints in the playoffs again. <laughs> Cursed. I don't, I don't think you needed to bring that question up. But anyway, I'm, that's I liked it. Can I just say, just while we're just one other thing about Jordan Love that I'm looking at right now. Interestingly, the pick before Jordan Love was Damian Williams. Now he's out for the year, just opting out of the season. And is the pick he? after Jordan Love is Sammy Watkins, who's hurt his groin. So what a pick by Timos. Yeah, I, I sense the other two would get injured. That's why I started <laughs> the love doctor. Thanks, Steph. Bit, bit of crystal ball, Tim. I'll see you. Mm. On your Steph. Thanks, Steph. <laughs> All right, Tim. So you did mention at the top that you didn't have much of a strategy coming in. Um, so you may not have thought too much about this question. But um, if you did have the 101, is it a straightforward decision for you? Who would you have taken? Um. I probably would have taken CMC. We uh, work well together. It's <laughs> a good point. Yes. What? How many years have you? Last two years you've had him in redraft. League? Last two years I've had him, and yeah, he's a he's a solid solid contributor. Yeah, he so. served you pretty well, hasn't he? All right. Well, I mean, that's clearly a pick in our redraft league that you're happiest with. But what about in this dynasty startup? What what pick are you looking at when you look at your draft saying that is where I am absolutely chuffed? Um, well, instead of going up the top end where you're obviously going to get a good player, I'll go my main man, Irv Smith. Oh, that Brody <laughs> loves. Odd. Can I, we get your thoughts? I'm coming around to Irv because I may oh. have heard... May have Doing the old today. reach around, are you? Yeah, don't mind a reach around or two. Mm. Playing outside, isn't he? Yes, correct. So there, um, that that's that's my issue. Is I just don't know in a run first team how deep the the pass catching options will spread. But if they put him outside the big fella, well then who knows what he's up to. And I did mention in the review that perhaps Tim knew something that we didn't. So. There you are. Any truth yeah, so, to that, Timos? Oh, I can't speak on what you know or what you don't. But uh, yeah, I uh, I value him in our offense. We can do a two tight end set. He's an athletic tight end. Um, everyone loves Noah Fan and TJ, but Smith was the next tight end drafted in that um, draft. And yeah, I see that he's going to outperform, hopefully. So. And he's only 22 years old, so, yeah. Mate, clearly your best pick was in the 21st round, big Taysom Hill. You must have just forgotten your big team in the 21st. That's an outstanding pick. Yeah, I've also witnessed that guy tear us to shreds in the the finals game where he was the best player on on the field. But, yeah, obviously need a bit of luck for him to be a quarterback. But with Breeze being... An old f- maybe I will. So, Timos, you've talked us a pick that you are happiest with. Um, what about a what about your best value pick out of your draft, and also one that perhaps you'd like to have your time back? Um, 
value, I might go with Will Fuller. I can't remember yes. what mm. round I got him in, but oh. I remember maybe three, two or three rounds before, I'm like, oh, I'll take Will Fuller, and then I chose someone else, and then did that literally two or three times, and then he was there, so I thought, it, just take him. Nice. And, and one that you, you'd like to have your time again? We've all had him. Um, time again. None jump out at me. I think your man Pittman Jr. Hod. I think I took him in round five or something real early. So I might have uh, waited in there. Seventh. Seventh. Yeah, well, that's maybe a tad early, but hopefully he produces so it doesn't bite me too hard. And just a quick one, Timos. Ryan Tannehill over your former crush in Teddy B. Was that close? Yeah, well, I don't know. I think uh, Ryan tanning on a hill, as we know him in the our other <laughs> league. Uh, I think he's a he's a top quarterback. Um, he played at Miami, obviously, with no one. And this year will be his first year for Tennessee where he's done a preseason as the number one quarterback. So hopefully he just continues to get better. Very nice. Um, and then expanding on that, um, if you could have your time again, uh, would you change anything strategically about your draft or, or anything else about your draft other than picks? Um, what would you do differently, if, if anything? Um, not really anything. If I was to do it again, I'd probably try to trade more on draft day. Um, I like to trade up and down, but just how I was just busy at the time. So I never really did much trading. And that's why I had a nice seven hour break between one of my picks. <laughs> we know about that one well, <laughs> don't we, Keeney? Yeah, no, it was great. Um, (laughs) Mate, I love your honesty Um, Just flat out, brutally honest I didn't do much research, didn't really have a strategy And I reckon you pulled off a pretty good team Um, So where do you think you're going to finish? I mean, Papa, surprise, surprise Reckons he's going to win the division Um, That'll come as a massive shock to you, I know But um, after you digest that um, Where do you think you're going to finish? Probably top I'd say top two, top three, top probably top four, definitely. It's <laughs> a real Steph-like prediction there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe you're going to win one yeah. in the next 10 years too. Oh, I might go to the next 20, just to be real <laughs> bold. Timos, it's been great having you on, mate. You have been upfront and honest about your strategy, your thinking throughout. You've been a little bit... Uh, bit crass for our likings but uh you know what you you speak the truth and you speak from the heart so thanks for being on mate no worries boys enjoy (laughs) (laughs) and we are lucky enough to be joined by the general manager of prestige worldwide 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 Worldwide. welcome to the podcast maddie mac how are you mate i'm good boys how are you thanks for having me we're doing pretty well much better now that you're on finally it's been a Excellent. while. Is in the house. Yeah, this is tension in the air here. I can see him on the screens. Who's got the bigger head right now? Ooh-hoo. Yeah, Hod and I may have to just sort of hold these two back over Zoom here to uh, to just keep this cordial. But uh, we've got you on, and and we thought, who better to kick off the first question than the old 
Kukamish, Christopher. Yes. We're very excited to have you uh, on the podcast, Thais. I know you're an avid listener and I know that you're very keen to check in when the pod's getting released and if you can get it out quickly because I'm about to go for a run. It just If you can do that for us, that'd be great. So I know, you, you, I know you're into it and I know you've heard our insights into your team and I know you were nervous before listening to your little preview. So off the back of that, what did you think? of our job analysing, breaking your team down? Yes, well, uh, I can say I had lots of uh, bulletin board material ready to rock and roll, but uh, given that we are recording on a Thursday evening, I, in transparency, haven't had a chance to go and get the sound bites. But what I will do is give you my unfiltered take. So uh, I thought... Uh, the review was quite good. I thought two out of the three uh, hosts were quite open-minded uh, and really receptive to my strategy. And I thought the other one just took it as a chance to absolutely roast me. But you know what they say, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. <laughs> oh, he's just holding back some laughter here at his own work. <laughs> Are you right to carry on there, Thais, or we're just going to hold off here because oh, Jesus he's lost Christ. it after that. Who, who was the who was that uh, pod member? Who was that that didn't agree with you? Um, it was obviously uh, the podcast himself um, that took the chance to let the world know how he feels about the prestige worldwide. But um, you know, everyone's got their own opinions about draft strategies, and I think that's the beauty about this format in the sense that um, not only is it Dynasty, but it's Superflex. Uh, everyone's approached it slightly differently. Everyone's got their own takes and insights. And I think that's what's made this league so entertaining so far. I think if everyone was drafting the same kind of team, um, there wouldn't be any excitement in any of the rounds and there wouldn't be any trades. So uh, I'm all for it. And also, did you have an ex- exception to how Hod summed you up as a person, as a league member? Uh... I can't remember exactly what he said, if I'm being honest, because it didn't really uh, resonate. But what I can say... Let me, let me go over it again. I've, uh, I've summarised it. You are a harmonious man. There is a lack of leadership and direction from yourself, and that's in reference to a, another league you may or may not run. You have a healthy rivalry with our very own Chris Keeney. And the last one I threw in there was you're a tight ass. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, my response to that is I'm going to take the moral high road, Brody. You can sum me up however you like, but everyone else listening to this podcast, uh, next time I see you, I'm more than happy to shout you a beverage. A Lukey. A very good. I've, I've scored here. No, he said everyone but you. Oh. Convenient that we're in lockdown. He's offering. <laughs> yeah, that'd be right. You have until uh, the end of September and then the deal expires. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering we're just me and you are harmonious as ever, why don't I kick off the next question? So let's get on to the draft. What was your strategy in the lead up if you had one? Um, and did this change at any point during the draft? Sure. So I think um, given the fact that none of us had done Dynasty or Superflex before, 
um, can kind of hand on heart say I wasn't really sure what my strategy was. Uh, so I thought the first couple of things I would do is go and um, source some ADP, but not just any ADP. Um, I wanted to get my hands on some high stakes ADP because uh, no offence to the Muppets in the two minute drillers, but I wasn't going to be dictated by um, who thinks who should go where. So then secondly, what I did to that was I applied the scoring settings um, with the settings that we've got in the Empire Dynasty League, just to understand um, what positions scored roughly what last year, to see if there are any positional values or tier drop-offs of anything of the like. So I kind of bundled it all together and um, what it kind of told me, picking from 11, um, was that I should take one of those early quarterbacks, really did see the value, um, given that I probably wasn't going to get my hands on one of those elite running backs early. Um, I did want to take two running backs early and wait, effectively kind of punt on the position in the middle rounds. Um, I thought I'd lock in the young upside scoring early and then kind of wait until the team rounds, take some um, upside and some pass catches, maybe with some longevity. Some guys that might last five or six years into the league may not be superstars. Um, I also noticed that wide receivers quite deep, um, quite predictable, and I wasn't noticing a massive drop-off in scoring from you know wide receiver two to wide receiver three to wide receiver four and so on. So I thought um, part of the strategy for that was to kind of wait it out a little bit and just take as much young talent at the position as I could. Uh, and I think lastly, probably trying to snap up a second quarterback um, before what I anticipated was going to be a run on quarterbacks in those five through seven or eight rounds. Um, I didn't want to be left desperate to, to take a second quarterback while there may still have been talent on the board at other positions. So I do think I achieved all of those things. Um, and then just in general, um, I really did want to make sure that I was drafting for value and not getting sucked in on runs. Um, I think Ben used a good analogy a couple of pods ago about the stock market. Um, and that's kind of similar to how I see dynasty and dynasty players as well. So I was happy to let players go and kind of take players where I saw um, there was value there, even if I didn't necessarily need that player. Um, and now I think last but not least, kind of rate my fantasy ability like most people would in this league and um, thought that I could strike a balance of staying young and competitive at the same time. I just, that, you wouldn't realise that Timos and Thais are brothers. How's that contrast in strategy? <laughs> oh my goodness. There is a stark contrast. Yeah, Timos basically going, yeah, so I basically wrote my notes on a napkin uh, on the night of the draft and then... Notes. <laughs> exactly. And then Thais just going thorough and looking at scoring and all of the different settings in here. We did touch on it yeah. and you said that um, you based around obviously your planning, having that pick 11 in the first round, but it, uh, as it played out, you didn't have that pick 11 because you, you traded out of it with a young James Hansen who uh, was keen to, as we found out in the last pod, get the pick and then figure out what to do with it after that. Didn't have a plan. He just liked the thought of getting back into the first round. So were you always keen to get out of that spot? Did you approach Jim? Uh, what was the thinking there? And did you pivot out of that spot because maybe a few of those quarterbacks that you might have anticipated going earlier were still around? 
Yes, so I can say that that was part of the reason that I moved back, but um, it was definitely never a plan of mine to move back at all. Um, I did have some offers to move up or down from 11 before the draft, and I thought, no, no, I really want to just kind of see how everything unfolds and be quite flexible. Um, so the short answer is no. Um, I kind of touched on that not having an early pick um, meant that I was kind of um, looking to take one of those top five or six quarterbacks, um, given that I was probably going to miss on one of the running backs. So what I did was uh, when Josh Jacobs went off the board at pick seven, and then I saw a trade back at pick eight, that really piqued my interest in potentially moving back and still getting one of those quarterbacks. Um, so safe to say, Keeney, you got the juices flowing. Well, while you're, while you're talking about those QBs, if Timos didn't leapfrog you there and take Kyler, and let's say it gets to your spot there, both Kyler and Dak are on the board, is there a difference between the two? Would you have snapped up Kyler in a heartbeat or were you always looking at Dak over Kyler the whole time? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was uh, kind of indifferent. I think um, I'm higher on Dak in the next year or two, but ultimately I would have probably taken Kyler if he was there, but it probably wasn't enough to um, you know, mortgage any capital to go and get him. So you're kind of happy that Tim made the choice for you by the sounds of it. It sounds like you're sort of in both camps. Yeah, a little bit. I think um, if they were both there, um, I probably would have waited to see if anyone would have approached me and seen potentially if I could have moved back a bit. But um, picking again at 18 sort of thought that um, I'd rather take the quarterback at 14 and see what comes out the other side than uh, run the gauntlet, take the player I like and potentially be stuck without one of those quarterbacks. Yeah. Mm. Without harping on it too much more, just, just one last one. So you've obviously done the trade with Jimmer, which I think you've got really good value um, for doing that. So if if that trade didn't go through at 11, you had, was that just QB there? Uh, it's a tricky one. Like, because the pick 12, I was convinced that Steph, with his only pick on the bookend, wasn't going to take a quarterback, um, especially not Dak Prescott, of all quarterbacks, as we know, he's an athlete. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> ben had moved up to pick 13, and Ben already had Lamar, so I thought yeah. he may not have been willing to double down early. Um, yeah, so I think I was looking at Dalton Cook a little bit, but Scoot picked him up at 10, basically wiped out taking a, a running back early. So it would have been probably Kyle, like gun to my head, but um, I was happy to move back and, and happy with how it played out. All right, we'll keep powering along here because we've got a few more questions about your draft. So you kind of said that um, you thought wide receiver was pretty stable and pretty deep, so that's why it wasn't sort of high up on your priority list to start with. So you also mentioned that you kind of just waited for value and you took what you perceived as value. So did it just so happen that the rookie wide receivers or these young wide receivers were just the valuable players there? Or did you shoot for that longevity of getting a rookie in to start with and waiting for your list to sort of all hit their strides at the same time? Yes, I think um, early on the plan was to take a couple of running backs, uh, make sure that I go into those middle rounds with some pretty solid quarterbacks. Um, it was actually my intention in round five and, and six to get a couple of wide receivers. Specifically, I was probably looking at yeah, DJ Charks and, and Terry McLaurin's, but what I found pretty early on was that um, quarterbacks have been pushed down. 
um, tight ends to a lesser extent, but um, did just notice that wide receivers were consistently going at or ahead of um, the ADP that I was using at the time. Um, so as soon as Steph took Scary Terry in the fifth, had a bit of a breakout moment and um, decided to move up and take one of the two young wide receivers that I thought could be a future wide receiver one. So while it was a, not necessarily a wide receiver one this year or next year, like the idea of having one locked away down the line. Um, and then from there, kind of made my call to try and catch up and, and grab value at other positions instead. Well, while, while we're on that, um, let's talk about that move up because that was with myself and you did approach me in your harmonious yep. way. And yep. um, just talk us through that. So I'll, I'll, I'll give the numbers for everyone. So Matt moved up for the 507 um, and I moved back to the 602 and then it was a 901 for a 711 and then a 1012 for a 907. So talk us through CD Lamb and how you see that unfolding. Sure. So um, I think I said after uh, I took Josh Allen in the fourth, there was a massive run in receivers. I thought there may have been one on quarterbacks, which would have pushed them down. So after Terry McLaurin went, um, I sort of thought to myself that in terms of young receivers, I thought um, C.D. Lamb and probably Jerry Judy were the two that could be future wide receiver ones over the next yeah, foreseeable future. Um, now, I thought... I could have waited it out and just taken best available, but I didn't want to risk it. Um, so I engaged you, Broads, uh, to move up, given that I didn't think you were going to take a young receiver there. Um, and I was happy to move up. Uh, it was quite funny, actually, because um, we were having healthy and harmonious back and forth around um, that trade value. And what I wanted to say to you, but I couldn't, um, was... I'm moving up to take a young receiver that's not going to really deliver much for me this year. So I was just weighing up the pros and cons of moving up. Um, the trade is fair. And I think you may have thought that I was moving up to get an established player. Um, but now I was happy to move up and get him. I think if you're going to ask me about CeeDee Lamb, I think um, I like the fact that he's tied Dak, who I've already got, um, that he plays indoors, that he's playing with Mike McCarthy. He likes to operate out of three wide receiver sets. He's 21. I think that they'll move on from Cooper or Gallup at some point. And um, from what I've read I've seen and seen, um, there's a bit of the Andre Hopkins in him to kind of hoping that he really hits. Oh, yes. I think, um, yeah, I think he's widely regarded as one of the more talented wide receivers in the draft, that's for sure. And a lot of people were surprised he didn't go first. Um, I want to touch on probably the the biggest talking point out of your draft strategy, which was having banked the great Mark Andrews in the fourth round, um, which I'm a fan of, but Mandrews. we don't need to. Mandrews. Now we doubled down in the seventh. Please, we need to discuss this. So now first question I've got for you is, were you aware of kind of the numbers I was rattling off a couple of pods ago about how tight end premium might affect this league and that position? And number two, was it always kind of part of the deal or part of the strategy to jump up and, and have three on your roster? Uh, so your first question, I will say that I was aware of um, the positional or scoring opportunity that was there. Um, but to be transparent again, it probably wasn't in my plan to do it. Um, having a look at their ages, they're 25 and 27 as it stands um, and preferably would have gone younger but I think um, by virtue of passing on receiver early 
moving up to get CD Lamb to lock away some youth and then having to sit out a couple of rounds and, and watching more and more receivers go. Once we got to the seventh, kind of thought to myself, you know, I've seen a, first, a few first-rounders fly off the board um, with Jake and Brody and Keeney. Um, and, yeah, I think, Keeney, you've touched on before that those tight ends, um, especially the ones of high um, catches, um, can score equivalent of what a wide receiver one would in this format. So I thought I'd move up and lock them away in my flex spots. Um, which would mean that I only have to play three wide receivers, hopefully, for the next couple of years while the rest of them um, start to accumulate in value. So I was aware of it. It wasn't a plan, but um, I'd like to think that I adjusted and that I was fortunate enough to kind of know about it going in. Very, very nice work, mate. And I think it's going to be interesting to look at, um, as you said, that ability to start some of these tight ends that could be pretty high scoring in that flex position versus other teams that will have their fourth, fifth receiver or running back, for that matter, um, in those slots. So you may get a nice little advantage there. We'll um, soon find out. Um, What I wanted to ask you quickly is if you did have the 101 hypothetically, um, is there a player you would have taken there for sure? Uh, The answer to that question, from what I know now, would probably be uh, no. So if I had 101... Um, what I think I would have done is looks to move back from one to accumulate as much value as possible. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey is the clear number one player this year uh, and carries value for a few years. And we may not have seen a guy like him in a while. Um, but as you all probably know, I do value quarterbacks and longevity in um, this format. And while my homes would be great as well, I think... You can move back from one and move to five or six and pick up a few futures or second or third rounders and um, compete now and still have some of those assets. So that's probably what I would have done, but um, can't blame anyone for taking McCaffrey or Mahomes. So that's probably how I would have looked at it. Yeah, and it's it's not it's always hard. I reckon if you, I mean, Hod, you can you can speak to this, but I I, I would imagine it's hard to actually get value from pick one just because a you want to get something decent in return and and B, everyone else doesn't really want to pay up that much when they're probably thinking in the same same vein. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'll, I'll be honest, but I, I got one offer. Um, I yeah. think I think people put a pretty high price on that number one pick. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it translates to what we've seen in real NFL drafts where you throw an absolute kitchen sink to move up for that player. Yeah. But um, so Thais... Let's get to the real stuff. The real question that everyone wants to know. But talk us through the decision, the great decision you made to put Keeney in this division. And I'll just reiterate the quote that was made. I've got it right here, mate. It's hanging, hanging on the wall. Why don't we let you just read off the wall? It's hanging on the wall. I'm purely going off who I think I have a better chance of succeeding against. Quote, unquote. (laughs) See, this is the feeling that's in this room right now. Thais, talk us through this. We we are dying to know. All right. I've been on my best behaviour the whole pod, but here we go. (laughs) Um, I'm glad that you had that quote written up on your wall, Kenny, because to be honest with you, I forgot what I said because it meant nothing to me. I sleep at night and don't really worry about you as a threat in the division. (laughs) So uh, I'm glad that it keeps you coming. Motivated. 
Yes. Yeah, it came down to a decision between Keeney and Manny. Um, and I know Manny from our Mazenod days, and he's a very clever and a very witty man, uh, despite going for the Minnesota Vikings. So um, I know that Kenny rates him highly, but I stand by my decision. I play for keeps. Are you saying that Keeney isn't up to Manny's intellectual ability? Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Very <laughs> Good. I just wanted, wanted the clarification there. Well, you've spoken a lot about your decision-making with Keeney for your division, but uh, Thais, what was your thought for picking your other two division members? Yeah, sure. So um, kind of came up pretty quickly and um, realised that I was one of the captains and I got the chance to pick my division. Uh, I was picking second and I knew straight away that I wanted to pick Steph or Ashton. Uh, turned out that Steph was the captain and picked Ashton with his first pick. So uh, it left me to pick Papa by process of elimination. So um, clear cut number three. <laughs> uh, it actually turned out really good because he gave me a call afterwards and just gave me an absolute blast. Um, but once we kind of calmed down, uh, we actually picked the rest of the division ourselves. So um, we knew next we wanted to pick Tim. And the reason for that is because uh, the week of the draft, I was speaking to Tim on the phone and I, he said, uh, I've done stuff all prep, so I'm just going to wing it. So that kind of uh, <laughs> cancelled him for the second division member. Well, that's fitting because the, the listeners may have already worked that out by this point. And also, Timos openly reveals that he didn't realise realize it was Superflex or tight end premium about two days before the draft started. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's sort of round this out. What, what pick were you happiest with in your whole draft? Yeah, um, all of them, if I'm being honest with you. No, I think, um, <laughs> no, I think by moving back early, getting an extra, I swapped the four and five at gym. So kind of locked away five plays in the first four rounds. I was pretty happy with that, how that panned out. But um, I think the move that um, excited me the most was that tight end pivot. Um, I think locking away those two pivots. I think uh, <laughs> locking away those two guys at my flex box in nice. the seventh round. Um, you know, Keeney's touched on it before that they can put up wide receiver one equivalent numbers. I was pretty excited when I went to bed that night. It was just after the 10 o'clock trade, um, you know, the clock off. So I did have to jump in. And when I made the trade, check the settings that you can play two tight ends. I did have to check that um, those wide receiver one points were kind of valid. And I did have to check all the PDFs that Keeney sent out just to make sure that there wasn't anything in there that I wasn't across. I was a bit nervous before I did it. I felt really good, slept really well and uh, set me up for the balance of the draft. Mate, What I, I thought you were immoral to say the big gardener Minshew. The dock strap king. Absolutely. Yeah. Not good enough. Yeah, well, I didn't have enough quarterbacks at that time, so I think that may have got a few surprises. Um, no, I'm happy with him. Yeah, Very good, mate. You get a starting QB just sitting there as one of your two bench options to put in your starting lineup. There's not a lot of teams that have that flexibility at QB. So we'll see uh, if people come knocking for or start inquiring about those players. Uh, Hod, what were your thoughts here? Oh, I just wanted you to elaborate on um, like your best value pick. And also um, we'll just get around everyone. If you had your time again, would you change a certain pick? Um, Cause we've all sort of mulled over our drafts and maybe could have changed or pivoted somewhere. Um, what are your thoughts on those? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I think at the end of the draft, like I mentioned that I was kind of leveraging some high stakes format um, ADP. So after the draft, I was probably pretty happy with uh, the Jared Goff pick being kind of four rounds later than where he was going, where I thought quarterbacks were going. Um, but I think given all the Darius Geist news, um, the Antonio Gibson pick is looking quite fruitful at the moment. So um, I'm watching the Washington football team training camp just to see uh, for any updates out of that backfield. Yeah, another, another member of this podcast is sitting nicely. Just... You, can, you can take your Gibson in the 13th. I'll take, I'll take Love in the, what was it, 25th, 24th round. Yeah, it's fair. And um, to answer your second question, mate, I wasn't going to come on here and just brag the whole time as much as I want to. Um, <laughs> so, no, I think on reflection, um, did notice that uh, quarterbacks didn't go as early as I was probably anticipating. So if I had my time again, um, having a look at how the draft unfolded, I took Josh Allen in the fourth round and I was really happy with the pick and I am still happy with the pick. But in terms of what I could have potentially done if I had kind of anticipated that was maybe taking an AJ Brown um, who I've come around on a lot since um, the dynasty draft and potentially got someone like a Daniel Jones or a tour or someone like that in the eighth or ninth round, I think, which is where they went. So I think on reflection, that's what I could have done. But um, it's happened the decisions I made at the time. Well, luckily for you, mate, you'll be able to face AJ Brown, Tua and Daniel Jones on a yearly basis because I am in your division. Isn't it great how the world just turns? Yes, you are. I couldn't have you leaving this with your tail between your legs, so I have to give you a bit of a pump up. All right, let's, let's close this off. Now, in our preview pod of this division, the Vontae Max, um, myself and you were all unanimously judged as to be the two that might finish last. Where do you think you're going to finish? Yeah, it's um, well, lucky Ben thinks I'm the dark horse in the division. Um, but yeah, yeah, but then, I, I think, then I got your number one draft pick and now I want you to finish last. <laughs> well, this is true. So um, I think um, with a season like this, we don't know what's going to happen with um, injuries and coronavirus and everything. But um, if everything goes to plan, you'd suspect that the uh, retirement village in uh, the Pathers Park is probably in the driver's seat. But um, I think the way I've constructed my team, if I can get just one or two of those wide receivers to hit, only having to play three a week, um, I probably carry positional advantages across quarterback, running back, tight end and the flex spots. So I'm optimistic that I might not only make the playoffs, but do some damage. I just want to say, mate, there could not have been a more prepared guest on this podcast and it's just made, it's, it's just gone off in my head here. No wonder you don't have any time to commission the TMD League because you've provided such insights and you've actually come up with a fantasy tiered projection algorithm. So kudos to you, mate. <laughs> I, I, and I'm loving the pivot. I really am. I, I have been critical of the players, but I think the pivot you made in the draft was... Genius-like. We'll see how that... Thank you, sir. But uh, the Mandrews and Evan Ingram think otherwise. So I'll see you out in the pitch. Very good. Well, Thais, we've enjoyed having you on, mate. You've been thorough. You've uh, taken up a lot of time. 
So I'm hoping that people are still listening because we kind of haven't timed the interviews or been as yep. on top of things like we have in other pods, but that's okay. Now that we're big time, we can be a bit loose with our timing. So thanks for uh, jumping on, giving us your time, your insight, your thoughts. We've loved uh, hearing all of the different strategies and things that have played out in your mind in that draft. And uh, we look forward to this hot rivalry between you and old uh, study, study quote man, Keeney. (laughs) He just gets angry every day. He looks at that wall. Just take it down, mate. (laughs) Uh, no, no, no. Thank you uh, for having me on. Looking forward to the season and um, looking forward to listening to the Vontae Mack preview so I can listen to what the other two knobheads had to say. <laughs> Love your work, mate. Thanks, mate. Love you, boys. Yeah, mate. Well, there we have it, everyone. Uh, another great writer for reply from all of the people in the Vontae Mack division. Uh, stay tuned for next week where we're going to have the Bo Callahan division on for their writer for reply. So Manny, Scoot, Jacob. Well, you've heard enough from me, I think, already, but they all get their chance for a bit of a right of reply there. So look forward to getting those boys on and and getting their in-depth analysis. Thanks, boys, for another good week, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Benny. Really looking forward to next week, particularly Scoot. He's one to look out for, for the listeners out there. Can't wait. Pod? Podcast five, done and dusted, boys. Having a ripper time. Podcast over and out. Oh, every episode has to be done. (laughs) Oh, that's awkward.